Welcome back, everybody, for another fun edition of the Rolex Whiskey Passion Project. And today I have a gentleman on that over the years, we've just had a lot of good times together. You might have seen the whiskey, Glen Turret, but I have John Laurie on today. John, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, Gavin. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, indeed. I am John Laurie. I am the managing director of the Glen Turret Distillery, uh, Scotland's oldest working distillery. And Gavin and I have indeed had a couple of good things together. John, tell me where your journey for whiskey started. Like what age? Well, like what is, what is, what is the early life of you as a whiskey enjoy, enjoyment look like? Yeah, for sure. You know, I think like many people from Scotland, our early memories of whiskey come from our grandparents. Uh, I think Scotch. Blended whiskey in particular was very much part of the social fabric in Scotland. And I, my, my grandfather in particular used to love Black Bottle. And yeah, every time we were around at his house, he'd have his Black Bottle uh, and his pipe and smoke on his pipe. So I've very <laughs> fond memories of whiskey from an early age. So that uh, that's where it kind of started. I didn't truly get passionate about it though until mid-twenties. So mid-twenties, um, with my then fiancé, now wife, and my now father-in-law said, uh, do you like whiskey, son? And I said, well, I like your daughter, so yeah, why not? So he took me along to a whiskey show uh, in Edinburgh, Whiskey Fringe, run by Royal Mill Whiskies, uh, and I totally fell in love with whiskey then. That was when I loved the brands, I saw the stories, I loved the liquid, and that was the moment. So if you're looking for the actual moment, the Yuroki moment that I thought, this is what I want to do, um, it was then. It wasn't... And what, with, and what whiskeys, and what whiskeys were yeah. that that turned your head at that event? So I liked... Hey. Yeah, I liked uh, Glenrothes. I think Glenrothes is an incredible brand. Yeah. Um, really, ah, some of that older I stuff is unbelievable. Absolutely. Absolutely incredible liquid. I really the compass box actually at the time we were bringing out something you know that that blended malt thing and the the, the way that they were telling their stories was super new at that time so that really captivated my. Well, attention. I mean, I'm not trying to date you. I'm not going to date you with age, but that that had to be some of John Glaze's like first years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he was just yeah. coming out, just coming out the gate after leaving Johnny Walker and all of that, and kind of like, hey, I'm going to disrupt. I mean, you know. Almost th- those early years was almost like mad scientists, like like, hey, let's. I'm just gonna have fun. No one's everyone's so stuck up. I'm gonna have fun. Seemed to be it really was standard yeah. theme back then. And if you, you can imagine walking into a whiskey festival in Scotland, and compass box are there, you know, super new, super fresh. Yeah. And everyone's like, Ooh, what is that? Who's How dare you? You shit on my room. Yeah. We've had these rules for years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, the younger drinkers were like, that, now you're talking, now you're talking, this is exciting. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was super new. I'm trying to think what other brands at the time, but Dalwini was probably my entry point, my jumping off point in single malt. I think Dalwini uh, is a really great starting point for uh, people who are getting into single malt. Diageo brand, super You're smooth, talking about price blue. points of like pounds for these models yeah. back then. And right, yeah, forty to fifty. You know, like you yeah. know, Johnny Walker Blue was was making you know was around, and that was you know that was expensive. That was probably like one hundred and eighty pounds. 
Yeah, exactly. So you're a child, you're like, you're like, like hey, saying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the Winnie, 40 pounds a bottle, really smooth, easy drinking, classic Highland malt. That was a great entry point for me uh, into into single malt drinking. So now you now the bug will get you with your father-in-law. You were like, the bug is inside you. Where does a John Laurie go now? So then it took some time. It took some time. I, the, the Scottish whiskey industry isn't isn't ginormous. You know, we very privileged to be here now, and and I know a large chunk of the industry because there's not a lot of it by any other industry standards. So I couldn't at the time. I was a general manager of large health clubs, so I couldn't just walk up to distilleries doors and say. I run large health clubs, please can I have a job. <laughs> so I went to Edinburgh University and got my MBA at the Edinburgh Business School, uh, specifically to get into, into whiskey. When I graduated when I was 30, went to see Tully Barden. Uh, they, they were alumni at Edinburgh University Business School, so they let me come in and, and spend a day with them and get to know them. But then I was tempted to go self-employed and set up my own business, and I'll cut a long story short, but I set up a large fitness business, so franchises and that. Eventually sold out to my business partner. Um, should have gone into whiskey then, but didn't. I bought two cafes, a restaurant, and a corporate catering firm. And then when I sold them, my wife said, go and get a real job and take your time and get into whiskey, which is what you've always wanted to do. So, so that's what I did. Uh, I got the job as the general manager of the Famous Grouse Experience. I ran the famous grouse experience which was the Glen Turret distillery uh, for a year prior to acquisition along with Ian Rennick the distillery manager here we got the business ready for acquisition for Edrington we got it set up we saw pitched and presented to all the potential buyers for the Glen Turret distillery but all the time my plan was to stay with Edrington and I was going to move on to another brand until the ultimate owners uh, and the successful buyers of Glen Turret were the Lalique Group, the French Crystal Company. And they sat me down and said, listen, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to invest with it. This is the journey we want to take on. We just stay on and be the MD. And I just gave it just right place, right time. And so many stories are like that. You know, you've got to get to be at the right place, right time. Well, I, right I, place, I, I yes. love the fact that you just said, you said a minute ago that, you know, you're entertaining different buyers and then you're like, and then Lalique came. I'm like, yeah. well, Lalique yeah. to have that on the radar, pretty special. Yeah, outside so, of their wheelhouse of traditional business, right? Yeah, it isn't it? Isn't it? You know, obviously, you know just as well as anyone, Gavin. You're the leak. I've got a decent name for putting high quality single malt scotch into mm-hmm. uh, their decanters. So they've been doing this for yeah. about ten years. So they they'd always been in the periphery mm-hmm. of the, of the whiskey world. They now do it with other products like Patron, uh, Hardy's, Dictador. Uh, so they are well known in the spirits world now for high end spirits, but they never owned the liquid inside. So that's what I'm saying. Like because you know it makes sense with the Edrington piece because they were doing Macallan, you know, bottles. Yeah. So the fact that they got an invitation to the table to look at it, but for them to commit and say, "Hey, we're no longer just the vessel. You know, we we want to be part of the liquid too." It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. And I don't think it would have been if it was any other distillery. I really just think it was the that magic moment Silvio Downs the owner of Oslo League he, uh, he's a big history fan he loves his history and heritage La League itself still make all of their crystal in Vingen in France in the same factory the Reine La Ligue built 
and they still hand blow all the crystals. So it's traditional, handmade, all in one place. They don't have any satellite factories over in other countries. It's all made in the same place by the same artisans. So when you think Sylvia Dens, who's you know a fan of history and heritage and protected Lalique's handmade traditions, when he heard that the oldest working distillery in Scotland was for sale with aged liquid in its warehouse and it was handmade and traditional and totally bespoke. It just it just sung a song to him. He that's that's ticked all his boxes. So So Silvio Dens visited three times. The first time he visited Incognito. The second time he announced who he was and the third time he came with uh, friends and family to to really get their uh, opinion on it and, and then ultimately did the deal. Um, so 27th of March 2019 was the date that Lalique Group uh, in a joint venture with a Swiss American entrepreneur called Hanjo Vies, um, they took over ownership at the Glen Turret Distillery. Uh, famous Grouse Experience was no more. The Glen Turret Distillery came back out proudly, uh, which was a great moment. And what did what did what did Glen Turret Distillery look like? I mean, you say it came back out proudly. Like while it was the famous Grouse Experience, was it just stuff sitting in the back, non-working? Like what does that look? No, like? Glen Turret never stopped making single malt scotch. It was just. That's fifty percent of the whiskey that we made went into the blend of Famous Grouse. So, Famous Grouse at the day, especially in those days that I described to you at the start with my grandfather, you no know, Famous Grouse is a pure brand. There was a lot of yeah. people drinking Famous Grouse blends at the time, and it still is an iconic brand for me. Growing up in Scotland, you know, I've got a lot of warm feelings towards the Famous Grouse. The this site though was chosen to be the brand activation site for the famous Grouse blend. So whilst we were still making the Glen Turret single malt, from a marketing perspective, everyone knew us as the famous Grouse experience. And for the local people who had grew up with Glen Turret being their distillery, they never really engaged with the famous Grouse as much as they perhaps could have. It wasn't until Famous Grouse left here and the Glen Turret came back out again. The local community really rallied around the distillery and felt proud to see their brand back out there again. Actually, insane. I didn't know that. I mean, so the whole time it's there, you're obviously, you know, barrels are being stored, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But it's fully functioning. I, I didn't know that. I, I thought that it was, was functioning. I, di- I didn't. This is awesome. This is like, this is this kind of stuff I love. So you're now okay. So let's 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 move another step. So now you're you know 2019. Now you're the Glen Turret. You know you got new ownership. You got Lily. What does that task look like for you as the, as the MD? So the the mission was we and to go back a step. Imagine buying a distillery that no one had heard of because since 2002 it was a famous grouse experience, but you had 50 year old liquids sitting there ready to launch on day one sort of thing. You know, you've got this warehouse with a million litres of ageing alcohol to launch your new brand on day one. It was the absolute dream for any whiskey distillery to launch. So we had to we had the opportunity with fresh liquid, new bottle. So our bottle was designed by Lalique. The first thing we had to do is secure a whiskey maker that would do the right job for us. So fortunately, Bob Dobarno was just Lenny mm-hmm. McAllen. So... Mm-hmm. He had finished up there, so we managed to convince him to come down and start again with uh, this smaller distillery. Uh, so he uh, just literally just left a meeting with him. Did an incredible job with our whiskies. Lalique designed us a new glass bottle, which is quite iconic and Art Deco looking. We got 
Ken Greer in particular came in and helped us with a rebrand along with Matthew Turner, our marketing manager at the time. They created a whole new brand around about the history and heritage and provenance, prowess and passion of Glen Turret. So we had this new label with new cartons, new liquid, new bottles. We opened up to new export markets around the world and launched it finally in September 2020 after all that work of putting it all together. So it was a super exciting period of time. Incredibly lucky to be part right, of that. Right, in, right into COVID. You launched right into yeah. COVID. So we were right in the middle of COVID when we launched and we were, like many people, thinking, you know, do we delay? You know, the world has stopped drinking in bars and, you know, the the, the landscape's changed massively. But I was like, you know what, we're, we're A, we're ready. So let's launch. B, everybody else is delaying. So if we launch now, that gives us some extra clear blue space. And that worked out in our favour because, you know, we had all these journalists and interested parties and, and whiskey connoisseurs who are sitting at home looking for new things. And we pop up there in a, in a, to fill a vacuum. Uh, and we got so much attention because we opened up at that time. And we we hired multiple rooms at the Glen Eagles Hotel. Uh, we got a camera crew in. Uh, we launched on Zoom to the internet, to the world media and and that started with 40,000 bottles available to sell that year, sold out within about 10 months, wow. Roland, uh, and they just kept to go from there. I mean, COVID was a really difficult time for us, like like many, but also was the period of time that gave us a little bit of an opportunity to have longer conversations with our audience because everyone was stuck yeah. at home looking for content. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and there was a thirst. I mean, you kind of came also into the surge for more whiskey, especially in the high end, you know, like the high end market just went nuts in 2020 where, you know, there was no more thing as a top shelf. It was sold out and the, and stores were like, and we're like, well, what do we put there? We need something, you know, we can't put, you know, you know, so you're, you're launching into this beautiful time where I won't say prior to that, people could just get away with being average. You know, like it worked, yeah. but now all of yeah. a sudden there's this demand for high end stuff, and and it's like now you kind of got to be the best, best in class. Yeah, well, you think about the where you were at that time. You weren't going out having meals. You weren't going out drinking with uh, with buddies out in the bar. So you weren't spending as much money as you would normally do. So you were thinking, do you know what? I'm going to lean into my hobby. I'm going to lean into my passion. And I'm going to try to discover new brands. You know, I'm not just going to stick to the same old brand I've always had. I'm going to try new things. I'm going to premiumize. So I've saved a bit of money from not going out and having dinner on a Friday night. So yeah. I'm going to buy tra- or vacation, taking yeah. 20 weeks of vacation a year. Yeah. <laughs> and and we've, we've noticed that actually the recruitment that we did during that time from people spending a bit more, just as you described there, they have thought, actually, you're going to spend an extra $10, $20. I get the next level up in quality. I get that yeah. next level up in product and, and I don't want to go back anymore. So so we were able to communicate to the audience at that time, but we we're also able to show them what that extra 10 or $20 was going to get them. And, uh, and they've stuck mm-hmm. with us post-COVID as well. Yeah. I mean, you've established, I mean, you definitely came on really fast, but you have a great story and that's real. I mean, you know, I can't, you know, I'm I'm always in awe. Because what year did Glen Turret start? Uh, right back at the very start, 1763. Yeah, so can you, I mean, this is like, you know, there's no cars. 
Like, yeah. how yeah. do you build a distillery in 1763? Like, you're using like ox and donkeys and horse to pull the brick. And then you don't even have, you know, the, the technology for cement and all that kind of stuff. It's like, it's all very, you know, uh, homemade almost. You know, oh, yeah. building a yeah. distillery and you have the foresight because. You know, anybody that you're probably pitching this idea to in 1700s, like, are you nuts? Yeah. Like, what are you? It was like, why? Why Why would you do that? Like, who wants that? There's no, you know, no, no, we really enjoy it. We're going to start making whiskey. You're like, eh, does anyone really care? Yeah, we do. We want to do it. <laughs> you know, like, that's yeah. the part that just blows my mind. I mean, you know, like, I go to these amazing distilleries and I, I'm like, can I see, like, what the plans looked like in the 1700s and 1800s? Yeah. And the guy who grew that must have been like, I'll take the money. Like, that's great. But like, I don't even know how you guys are going to pull this off. And then you got like engineers, which like, what does that look like? And you know, like you got weight loads. It's just a whole different thing. There's no, nothing. There's no technology. Well, you think of it. Like, the, yeah. Yeah. You think about all the world events that happened in 1763 to now, and how this building and business has survived through all of those world events. You know, we were talking world wars. We're talking you know, huge weather events. We're talking changing geopolitical landscapes. Yet Glen Turret keeps on making whiskey and sending it around the world, all the way to this small town in the middle of Scotland called Creef. We 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 call a lot of, unfortunately, one of the most satisfying parts of my job was at the start where we did the history project because no one had researched Glen Turret's history before. So we brought in a historian to go through and really unpick our history. And it was so fascinating. And we've got such amazing stories to tell, real rich stories that we can't wait to start telling. But every now and then, a character would pop up in that story. We call them courageous characters because every now and then somebody did something that had they not done that at that time, Glen Turret wouldn't be here. It would just have stopped. It would have stopped in 1778. It would have have just laid waste and had never been found again. But one of them... uh, was a gentleman who wasn't even related to the story, um, Mr. Smith, if I recall his name correctly. But he went down to Westminster on a horseback carriage, went down to London to the um, the political centre to petition the government at the time to put the Royal Post Office in Creef, not in the local town of Ochterarder where they were going to be, be, um, be putting it. So because he went all the way down there and he took the effort to convince the local politicians that they should build the post office in Creef and not in Ochterarder. And he won and he got the post office, the Royal Post Office was put in Creef for this area. That meant that all the roads and all the infrastructures were built around the Royal Post Office. So had he not got the post office in Creef, Glen Turret wouldn't have got his whiskey out more easily than all the other distilleries that are in the area that now don't exist anymore. Yeah. There, there were so many stories where, you know, one person took upon themselves to do something courageous, and because of that, we still have Glenn it. So here you are now. We're 2023. Obviously, you're a thing. I mean, your whiskey is very well spoken about. Your whiskey is much appreciated. You are a major contender, I would say, in not only luxury whiskey, but just also whiskey in general. And... You kind of have all of this provenance with, you know, this this 300 year, you know, little history and people are blown away. I mean, I, you know, obviously, you know, 
Everyone knows I love Universal Whiskey. I've been attending the last six years. The first two years, I didn't do the high roller experience. And then I did after that. I'm like, why would I ever look back? And seeing just the quality of whiskey history, for lack of better words, I mean, you know, the 30s that you're pouring were definitely not put in the barrel last week in microwave. They've been there 30 years ago. You know, that guy didn't have, you know, but my my listeners will laugh. That guy didn't have email. He didn't have a cell phone. He was not a way for anyone to bother him. He just went to work and did the best job he could. And he didn't really know if anybody gave a shit or not. There was no, there was no social media where you could get rewarded immediately and gratified. You know, it didn't exist. So like that is the whiskey that's there and it's just next level. So for you kind of, you know, I'd hate to use this silly phrase. You really are living the dream. If you think about your journey with fitness and cafes and, you know, give your wife a big hug for saying, go follow the journey. And then (laughs) all the journeys, it's Glenn Turk. You know, you yeah. could have gone. Yeah. You could have stayed with a lot of other people because you were in the mix. And you ended up, you know, being there in the moment with such a historic whiskey and such a fun job, I would say, to kind of, you know, get it out there. Yeah. The best job. And genuine when I say that I am incredibly lucky to be here. I mean, it's not, I've worked incredibly hard to stay here and, I, and we've had a big job to do. And we've, pounded the pavements and made sure that everyone knows about Glen Turret and we've attended events. One of the things that you mentioned there that I really wanted to pull out a little bit was about us not just being a luxury whiskey, but a really good whiskey in general. Mm-hmm. And that that's the biggest compliment you can give because for us at Glen Turret, yeah, our, some of our price points are, are, are quite punchy. We also have our triple wood, which is, you know, $55 a bottle. So we have accessible whiskies as well. But for us, it was really important that we made the effort to come out to the industry and talk to people, talk to the consumers, be visible. And being visible when you've got such a small team, that means somebody's on the road all the time. And Jamie, our brand ambassadors in New York at the moment, Rudy and I are just back from Vegas. Louisa and Claire are over in Rome. Ronan was over in Canada. You know, we've got a small team that are, are getting around the world to um, to push the brand forward. But um, yeah, I'm incredibly lucky. I'm incredibly lucky to have landed this job i generally feel i've um, I've landed the the best job in the industry at this moment but like you're talking about that guy 30 years ago without any emails and we're we're delivering his whiskey now i'm really aware that the success that i have get at the moment is based on the hard work that they did back then and indeed the work that we're doing now is paying it forward to the next md that's going to come along and say i'm so glad that john laid that stuff down there i'm so glad that Ian put that match done where you put it you know that's we're just custodians we're just part of the process we're not you know we're not we're living on the success of our predecessors and we are um, paying it forward that's what we're doing I and, and that's the beauty and I think that's the authenticity because in this 2023 market you know basically since COVID you also have a lot of marketing companies that have bullied the shelves because they're part of a bigger portfolio. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, well, if you don't, you don't, you know? And it's like, for me, as a, you know, I'll, I'll go to whiskey bars all around the country and I'll sit and bar, just listen to what people order. Yeah. And sometimes I'll be like, why did, why did you order that? Why? Because they've seen a, a newsprint or a magazine. It's just, it, it's an established brand that spent billions of dollars on marketing. 
Yeah. So they just that they're they're trained. They're like Pavlov. Walk into whiskey bar, you order. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you yeah. do. And you're like, yeah. do you know that there's other whiskeys that are actually have? I I I don't like to use the. the it's not way better. It's just mm. a whole different experience. Yeah. Yeah. A whole different experience, and 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 I love those moments because I'll be like, take a sip. You know, when when I'm out, obviously there's normally a lot of whiskey in front of me, and if I'm sitting at a bar, I'll be like, I'll the person next to me, I'm like, you should try this, and they've never heard of this brand that I'm drinking. Whereas I, because th- these the brands that I'm drinking aren't spending billions of dollars of advertising, they're still affordable on a liquor menu. Yes. Yeah. You know, like I'll walk in and be like, wait, wait, wait. You telling me I can get a two ounces of that for just forty bucks, yeah. and that's a twenty-four year old whiskey, as opposed to the twelve-year-old from a big name that's charging, you know, sixty-five dollars for one ounce. You know, all day long, I'll take that. You know, those, those are great moments. Those are brilliant moments. So where you see something, you're like, oh, if you like this, you're gonna love that. Um, I live for those moments because yeah, yeah. you know, there, there's a lot of memes. You know, guy like me, guy like you walks into a whiskey bar. It's really hard to pick what we want to drink because we are, we know what everything costs. So we're not going <laughs> to overpay for the marketing yeah. of these whiskey. <laughs> and then and then we're hoping that the, the so-called like lower price stuff is actually decent. Because most of the time it's not because they want to show that disparity. Like, oh, wait, are you really going to drink that cheap stuff when I've got this expensive stuff? But like, you know, I, I, I got guys that I talk to where, you know, 10 years ago, their whiskey bar consisted of like 12 whiskey bottles. Yeah. <laughs> like that was a whiskey bar. And now there's 300 different bottles on their shelf. I mean, for you coming up and seeing this, I mean, especially in Edinburgh, especially in Scotland, like, you know, the whiskey bars weren't very exciting when you first started drinking whiskey, right? It was just like, hey, here's the usual 15 or 16 suspects. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, there was no such thing as a whiskey bar when I was growing up. Um, yeah, you know, you can have a pint of beer all day long. Yeah. You're not like that, yeah, you know, and then and then you watch around what I would say 2010 to 2014, there's a few more players. And yeah. then by 2018, like you can walk in and there's a hundred whiskeys, yeah. you know, easily all day long and more, you know, in the back that they haven't even packed out yet. So it's kind of like an exciting time, and and I don't think it's going anywhere. You know, like people are like, oh well, the same thing happened with vodka, the same thing happened with schnapps, and you know, I'm like, yeah, this is different. This is different. This has been around for hundreds of years. It just hasn't been available because nobody really wanted to like. It's 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 a lot more harder to sell. The bottle doesn't move as fast. You know, you're pouring vodka in drinks. You're killing bottles every night. You know, you're pulling wine, tequila. You're killing bottles. Whiskey. You know, a couple of guys come in, they have three, four sips, the bottle goes back on the shelf. Next night, a couple of guys come in, three, four, bottle goes back on the shelf. It's not like a high turn, turn product. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally right. And, 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 you know, so for you, you know, I know we've had a, a good chat so far. What has been like a lot of cool experiences? Do you have any that like jump to mind other than being in the right place at the right time with the leak? And getting the job where you want to pinch yourself and be like, I can't believe I'm doing this. As a whiskey lover, is anything like that moment that when I make that comment, you're like, oh yeah, that was special. Yeah, there's been there's been so many. There's been really so many. I, I know. 
that I, I say on my Instagram quite a lot, whiskey takes you to the best places. I mean, I've been to the British Embassy in Paris <laughs> because whiskey took me there. I've been to Vegas twice now because whiskey took me there. I've been to New York. I've been to uh, Boston. I've been to Monaco three times. I met Prince Albert in Monaco three times only because whiskey took me there. These uh, these incredible experiences uh, all around Europe and, and America um, at the moment are incredible because you know work in a sector whereas when I, when I go there I'm not I'm sitting in a boardroom all day you know I'm chatting to people like yourself over a drum yeah. in a cool hotel in a cool bar cool restaurant we're engaging with cool bartenders and you know I'm not sitting in boardrooms looking at graphs and charts um, you know we work hard back at the distillery and uh, and plan and strategize but yeah whiskey takes you to the coolest places people Actually, I love that. Actually, I, love that. I, might, I, might, yeah. I might put a twist on that and feel that, but I love that because it really yeah. does. It does. <laughs> it does. And you meet, you meet the most incredible people that I would never have met if I hadn't been for uh, been for whiskey. And you, you know yourself, these environments, when you're in a whiskey-rich environment, like uh, the Universal Whiskey Experience, with like-minded people who are all, not, you know, nobody's there to get, get blazing, nobody's there to get wasted. They're there to learn more, to meet, People from the industry to, you know, there's so many brands out there with so many different variances. The the whiskey connoisseurs are really keen to understand about your products. So you're talking to somebody about a product you're passionate about, and they're passionate about hearing what story you have to tell. So you're totally meet, connecting with people that are equally as passionate as you. You're sharing your 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 work with them, and you're getting immediate feedback. I mean, tell me another industry that you can do that in, in such a no, I mean, I, friendly environment. You, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's next level. And I tell people that the group that comes to Universal Whiskey, if you were to if you were to sum them up in a nutshell, they're a select group of people that have choices. Yeah. Like meaning like they can choose what they want to buy. They are not pigeonholed. They're not financially like, oh, this is it. They have choices and they want to learn and they're open to need to to the excitement of something new yeah you like because every time like if if i think about all my experiences with universal in particular it's like every time i go there i get a new experience that i didn't have before you know like i'm just like whoa i've never heard of those or i've heard of them but i've never taken the time to enjoy their whiskey and now yeah. here i have this one-on-one -on -one opportunity to like get to know the brand because to me, as two people, you have Gavin Lindy, who's the Rolex Rolex whiskey on Instagram, which is all about, you know, I, I geek out on the educational side. And yeah. then there's Gavin Lindy, the guy who just loves whiskey. You yeah. know, so like, it's like, how do I make, you know, it's the best of both worlds for a total passion project, you know, which has got nothing to do with what I really do in my life, you know, which is totally different. That's spreadsheets yeah. and Excel files and, and boardroom meetings and presentation. And then I get to go do this and I'm like, oh my God, like this is, this is insane. This is insane. Like pinch it, pinch myself coming out of there and the ability to have access to just the creme de la creme. Yeah. Oh, yeah. real. Like, like when I, when I look at Universal Whiskey and I look at the brands that come there, for the most part, I would say at 95% plus, it's a hundred percent brand authenticity. Every now and again, a marketing company gets in, but like 95% is 100% authentic passion with amazing liquid that Mahesh is able to 
curate, which is unheard of. I mean, that's like literally walking in and it's like, it's going to be a win every time. Yeah. You also, you see the quality that the, the studies send over, you know, they're not sending over average whiskey. They're sending over, they're sending over their big guns and they're sending them with, you know, proper distillery executives. You know, the, the, the names that are there representing the distilleries are the top of the tree in those facilities. So I think my um, commands a lot of respect in this industry for sure, but that's actually part of the allure as well. He's going across and hanging out with like Paul Davidson and from Glencairn or Richard Urquhart from Gordon McPhail and Kirsten <laughs> and, you know, Wolf and all these guys, you know, they're yeah. eight nights. They're yeah. in Hazelwood. I mean, I mean, look at Kirsten this year. She came in and just like, she wrapped that whole thing in a bow with House of Hazelwood. Yeah. Like, you know, it was just like, whoa. You know, like on Thursday night with her, she's like, I got some really old shit. Like that's all she kept saying. Well, like, I'm sure you do. You know, it's just, it's not part of the, uh, of the big name. It's like you walking into Glenthara and be like, wait, wait, you guys have a million liters in the back there? Then, whoa, that's pretty yeah, fucking cool. But I like that. I mean, how's Ada was exec- uh, an excellent example. You know, that just like, oh, you're bringing that? Cool. I've got this. Uh, Gordon McPhail bringing a 61 year old. You know, these guys, Gordon McPhail have got liquid that, you know, you would just die for. But the, the, the brilliant thing about our industry, absolutely the best thing about our industry, is that we don't compete against each other. You know, we are genuinely friends and genuinely collaborative. And Richard Urquhart, for example, really, really close friend of mine. And I know that if I was stuck for some advice to do with a distributor in America or a, a law that I need to understand better, I just pick up the phone to Richard and he's going to sit and chat me through it or signpost me to where I can get the help I need, you know, because he's not, he's not competing against me. We're, we're growing the whiskey industry around the world. We're not trying to steal from each other's customer base. Did, so did, um, I, I got, I got to ask that question just on that. Did did McPhail ever buy any of the older Glentara stuff? Are they sitting on any? They've got, yeah, they've got some Glenturrets. He, he, joke, he jokes that he's got some Glenturrets that I don't have. So, yeah, I can't wait to see what they've got. I think, I think you know, cause, because on Thursday night, I was next to Robin, and Robin Cooper was there for Glen Grant, and then, like, yeah. Richard bust out, like, at 37. Oh, Glen Grant. He's like, yeah, right, dude. I'm here with my 21-year-old. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, exactly. don't, don't come by tomorrow. I got a fifty-seven-year-old. Oh, like, oh man! Richard does that for fun. Richard does that for absolute sport. Their their stock stock is the envy of the industry. Oh, it has to be, and, and so much respect because, like, they're just they're quiet giants. Yeah, you know, like they don't make a lot of noise. They don't leave a big footprint. They just make they leave a really good reaction and a lot of respect. Yep. Yep. You know. Even even when I even talking to Todd and the guys from you know with the Diageo, you know it's a fine and rare stuff. You know they busted out like what thirty one year old Talisker that no one like like what is going on here? Yeah, you know like it's just it's so cool to have people like you and like them that like you said you don't compete and you have amazing whiskey that is all passion. Yeah, Todd Rabry's another game. Like if, if, if I wrap it in a word, it's yeah passion. You know, yeah. and for yeah. me, as as the multiple hats that I wear in the industry, it's like all just like, oh man, wow, wow, yeah. how great, exactly. how pinch myself like this. You know, you know, most guys my age, they're really good at golf. Like that's it. <laughs> <passion process. laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm still playing bogey golf. I'm very happy. I play every weekend, but I look at what I do in whiskey, 
And I have those moments where I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. Hey, wow. You mean you kind of be like, to talk, talk to you just mentioned there, you know, he works with the Azure, super easy for them to just lean on their marketing budget, but yet you've got Todd coming up. He's so knowledgeable at whiskey, so influential yeah. and super passionate about it as well. So, you know, he's, like you said, he doesn't, they don't necessarily need to be because they're, they've got marketing budgets to, that we're all jealous of, but Todd rocks up there yeah. and represents his brands uh, himself as well. So, yeah, I mean, you can oh, go that's, go that's, the 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 that's the respect. I mean, look at that whole room. I mean, you know, that Friday yeah. night, you know, you look around that whole room and you're like, wait, that is not just the person they hired for 25 bucks an hour to come board no. with you. No, <laughs> not what's happening here. Like, like when you go to the other whiskey event, you know, sometimes you're like, wait, like, I think you should have like really educated. Like, oh, we didn't have time. You know, we're spread thin. Yeah. You know, we do three whiskey events as we get. Then you come to Universal, like, no, that, that is the person. That's the one yeah, it's funny. talking about the product. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so, well, I can't thank you enough for coming on, man. I'm so glad no, so watching Glenterrick grow because I got so much respect for what you've done. Um, and, and I, I love it. I love your whiskey. You know, obviously that's no secret. I can't wait to see as you continue to open up space on, on shelves in, in distributors and stores across the world and continue to grow the brand because you have something incredibly special and you can taste it in the whiskey and you know that the passion behind it, it's kind of like the rest is just the bonus round. Oh, exactly. Listen, thanks so much for having me, Gavin. I really appreciate it. Really great to catch up with you recently. Uh, hopefully, see you over here in Scotland sometime. But if not, right, no, 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 I, just, I say to Richard, I'm like, I'm like Richard. I'm like Richard. I'm down for like three day trips. I can't yeah. like go. Yeah. He's like, you can't fly out here and go back. <laughs> I got too much shit going yeah. on. Like, yeah, yeah I got no yeah. problem doing like six three day trips, you know, which will be mentally draining. But like that's yeah. just all I got that I can do. Yeah. So I definitely want to come play. Yeah. I know you know set up offline, but I definitely want to come see it all. I mean, I'm I you know seventeen old. Show me, show me what that foresight was to what it is today. It's amazing. Well, Excellent. folks, we're going to wrap up another edition of the Rolex Whiskey Passion Project. John, do you want to give any shout outs to Instagram pages or anything? Uh, yeah, so uh, at the Glenturrick Whiskey, the ones we did, Glenturrick Restaurant, or one Michelin star restaurant, uh, so at Glenturrick Restaurant, and I'm at, at Glenturrick John. So, Look forward to seeing you. I appreciate it, my friend. I look forward to seeing you. I definitely, we got to hit the restaurant. Put yeah, that on the yeah. agenda for yeah. sure as one of those pinch me moments. <laughs> and thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you guys soon. And thanks for tuning in. And John, I appreciate you, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone. Cheers, guys.